Well, welcome today to the Perspectives Podcast, where we seek to bring a biblical perspective to current events of the day. My name is Brady Randall. I serve as the campus pastor at Orchard Hill, Butler County. And today I'm joined by Dan Shields, who's the director of worship, as well as Jenna Bajusic, who is the family ministry director at the Butler campus. So welcome to both of you. Uh, today we're going to jump into a fun discussion um, talking about what it's like, the the pitfalls, the downfalls, the exciting part of of leading and having family devotions and discussion in the home, and how that changes over time depending on ages of kids, lifestyle, all those kind of things. And so when we talk about family devotions, we're talking about when families would set aside some time to worship together or to learn about Jesus and the scriptures together as a family. Now, that sounds very simple, um, but that can be very, very intimidating to be a part of, to lead. Some listeners today are like, family devotions, what? I thought we just had Sundays, you know? So I wanted to chat through some of that. Um, just want to start out uh, for both of you. What was that like, if anything, growing up in your homes um, in terms of family devotions? Was faith a part of your home? What did that look like kind of growing up? Yeah, so for me, I, I grew up in a um, uh, traditional church home, um, and I, I'd say uh it was a Catholic home, but I always say we were Catholic the way that Taco Bell is Mexican. Like we would go, <laughs> you know, on uh, Christmas and Easter and occasionally in between. And I was at that, uh, I was at that age where like they had two, I had two older sisters, both went to Catholic school. And I think by the time I came around, they're like, enough is enough. You can do what you want to do. So, uh, you know, I, I got confirmed in that church, but then uh, didn't really attend much after that. So I'd say for me, it was almost non-existent. So I, I had almost none. I think, you know, they probably taught me the Our Father or something like that. And then beyond that, there was there was very little. And maybe like when I was young, there might have been some prayer, but I don't remember. Uh, you know, I, I remember them saying, like, say your prayers before you go to bed. But uh, uh, I don't remember if, if they actually prayed with me ever. And if they did, it would have been like a, you know, formulated prayer type of thing. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to remember that, the uh, Taco Bell and Mexican, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Jenna, I, <laughs> I did not grow up in a family that cared about faith whatsoever. Um, I think I went to church for a little bit when I was a little kid, but the most religious education I got from my family was, you better pray that you your father doesn't <laughs> find out what you've done, and that's that was about it. <laughs> So going into to parenting as a Christian, I didn't really have much of a foundation of anything. So we've just kind of made it up as we went along, which is, in my experience, a lot of what parenting is to anyway. So <laughs> no instruction manuals on, on those kind of things. Uh, so, so do both of you have a conviction that this is something you want to do, should do, other... Those who claim to follow Jesus, this is something that should happen in the homes. How would you just speak to that overall conviction? I think that the Bible is pretty clear that parents are, like, if you are a Christian, if you're a parent as a Christian, it's your job to pass that on to your kids. Um, I don't know that it's, like, kids are going to eventually grow up and make their own choices, as we realize with any other aspect of parenting. Um but that's part of my job as their mom, you know, to give them a foundation of, of faith and to help them understand correctly who Jesus is so that they can then make a good choice on their own. 
Mm. And I'd say, you know, if parenting is really um, primarily helping kids to be autonomous and independent and capable in the world, uh, one of the parts of that is uh, helping them to to see um, who they are, who they were designed to be, and fully becoming that. You know, so uh, we as parents are sort of helping to foster them to become everything that God wants them to become. And if you think about spiritual life, you know, I mean, some people think it's a it's a nice side or it's a nice moral element. But, you know, if you think uh, in light of the bigger picture, if eternity really is a reality and we're going to spend the overwhelming majority of our existence in eternity, uh, the spiritual life is probably by far the most important thing or, uh, yeah, I'd say by far the most important thing. So somehow being able to uh, share in a way that helps to mold uh, kids in their thinking and their understanding of who they are, who God is, and how to be able to relate to him, I think is uh, probably of vital importance. I heard a pastor say this once, and it's really stuck with me, and Dan, you alluded to this, that as parents, if you're raising children to hopefully one day know the Lord, is how do we help our kids become independently dependent upon God? And man, that that can feel very weighty, like that's a big responsibility. On the one hand, the children will one day become adults, and they'll make their own decisions, but man, to to spend 18 or so years with a child or children, um, hoping that they will one day come to faith in Christ and be able to lead their own families in this way, that's really weighty and can be really intimidating. And so um, before we get into like some practical, what has that looked like in your families? What went well? What went terrible? Um, what would you say to someone who maybe recognizes that's their uh parental and spiritual responsibility to raise up their own children to hopefully come to know the Lord, but has no idea where to start, just feels totally intimidated, totally almost, um, you know, frozen in, in peril of, of, of how weighty that is. What, what would your encouragement be to those parents? Yeah, you know, one thing I'd say, you know, it's um, like uh, you have to be able to lead from a place that you're going. I think that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in, in World War II, when they were uh, training officers for Normandy, they were uh, they were basically training them um, not just to be you know good fighters and be able to lead men, but but to be the leaders in the places uh, you know when they hit the beaches, when their men froze, they had to lead uh, and get those men inland. Uh, in a way, that's that's kind of like our charge. You know, we uh, we in some ways have like a spiritual beachhead, and we're trying to lead our kids behind us. Uh, in a way that they see who they're following and they, uh, you know, they, they see us going to a place that, uh, you know, they want to be also. And, you know, it's, it, you were talking about the independence and autonomy. I, you know, I think um, in our, our culture, not to sidetrack on this rabbit trail, but in our culture, that's probably one of the most uh, challenging and difficult things because we, you know, as Americans, you're like, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you're independent, you're strong, you don't rely on anybody, you, you know, you get the job done type of thing. Uh, and that's a mentality that's uh, very steeped in our culture. And it's not in all cultures like that. Uh, and we're also, you know, we're a fairly wealthy nation. So people can have, you know, a good job and they pay their taxes and they have a good roof over their head and they work hard. And a lot of what their life looks like, they feel like is dependent on them. And it's really easy to lose track of the fact that God is in control of all things and that we need our, to bow our knees to him. So it's, uh, I think for a lot of parents, it's a lot easier to, to talk about, you know, work ethic and doing well in school and all, and those are great things. Uh, but forgetting about that spiritual aspect of 
true dependence and really being able to bow your knee to a, a God who really is sovereign over all things. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I mean, it's not something, I mean, no part of parenting is anything you're going to get right the first time. And it's Amen. every little, <laughs> right? Right? Oh, Everyone on, else, speak right? Speak for yourself, Dan. We oh, call Dylan the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Try it out on him, see how it goes, and hopefully the other two will be a little... You know, but any time spent with God is good. And so Mm. even if it's just a few minutes a week, you know, of of talking about... It's... it's, You're starting small, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be, like... This isn't your, you know, something you're going to spend 80 hours a week doing. It's start small... And go from there and it'll, it snowballs and it builds and you begin this journey with one step and that's okay. That's how we start anything. Hmm. And, there, you know, there's that verse that says, taste and see the Lord is good. You know, um, I, I think for, again, that leadership part, um, if we've experienced God in a real way where it's it's touched and changed our life, not just in uh, an intellectual way or sort of a religious discipline way, but, you know, really touched by God in some ways where you've you've sensed his moving in your life and his touching your life and his care for your life and uh, his direction in your life. Um, you know, being able to share that with your kids and having them see what that looks like in a real way, I think is uh, maybe as important as, you know, a structured devotional time or something like that, where you're just sharing your life with, uh, with your mm-hmm. kids. You know, I think that's probably one of the most important aspects of this, especially as they get older and more independent too. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to give away what you don't have yourself. And so yeah. if you want your children to be passionately in love with and worshiping Jesus, if, if your heart's not there, that that's going to be hard for them. I think what you're saying, Dan, is it's a life thing. It's not just Maybe we'll talk about what because the structure even, looks like. even little kids can sense hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. You know, we were eating dinner last night. I told my kids to eat more vegetables. They said, Mom, you're not eating your vegetables. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I should finish my vegetables, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So it's not like we we think that kids don't notice. But I even small children are able to pick up on, they say this, but that's not what they really live like. Mm. Um, they're figuring it out and they can tell when something is nominally important to us or whenever something is critical to, to who we are. Yeah. And I think in this, we're, we're talking about a little bit of a balance. And what I appreciate you saying, Dan, is basically all of life is discipleship. In other words, mm. You know, you're you're mm-hmm. out hiking with your with your child, and something comes up in a conversation. Man, that that's just not planned, but you just go there. Or you you guys are watching something on television, and something you see that you know maybe pushes you in a wrong direction. There's an opportunity, or you know, there's a loss of life, and there's a you know, so there's lifelong discipleship as life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's probably some structured time as well in terms of trying to do that. And so I want to just dig into that piece a little bit in terms of what has this looked like in your home? Um, What would you say was a major fail that you learned from that you wouldn't do again, that you'd recommend nobody ever try that uh, necessarily? And then maybe what what have you found that feels good, natural, helpful, effective? So maybe just speak a little bit to your own experience. 
I feel like you're going to be very disappointed that I'm the person you invited to be on this podcast with you today because we don't do structure very well in my family. <laughs> like we do, we do bedtime is always the same, but that's just about it. Um, and uh, what I found is whenever I try to force a structure that isn't natural to how we live our, our life, it's not, it doesn't fit into our rhythm. And I'm like, no, 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 we have to, I just end up stressed out. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I'm stressed out, I get frustrated. Whenever I'm frustrated, it makes everybody else frustrated. And so I'm like, no, we are going to sit down and you're going to talk about Jesus because it's on, it's planned for today. And, and you can't have your dessert until we sit and talk about like, it just makes everybody angry. And that's really not the goal of talking about Jesus. <laughs> um, and so what I've found works best for us is whenever we, it's more on the fly. It's more, you know, like my husband and I will kind of sit down and I'll come up with a couple of ideas and see which ones he likes. Um, you know, and so for instance, my son was scared of something. And so we looked up a Bible verse about fear and we, um, and it's like basic, it's Psalm, hold on, wait, no, he's going to be so disappointed in me because I don't have, remember it's Psalm 56. I want to say 10, but it might be four. Ah, geez. It's in the Psalms. Who hired me? In the Psalms? Yeah. But it's when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Okay. Mm. And so it's like, okay, when you are afraid, fear happens. Everybody gets scared. I will trust in you. What does trusting in God look like in this situation? How can we pray about it? And so like we're memorizing scripture together. We, um, we read the Bible. We talk about stuff. We pray together every day. There's certain rhythms that are in our life, but we don't like have a book that we sit down with every morning and read through the book and then have this lovely little idyllic conversation. Like I'm lucky if everyone brushes their teeth in the morning, to be honest. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, it's, it's finding something that works with your family, but consistently trying, you know, it's not going to always be the exact same thing, but I think the consistent conversation has been really, really good for us because they know that talking about faith is something that we just do as a family asking questions about the Bible is something that we do as a family. Um, Sometimes, a lot of times on Sundays, the only thing I'm fairly consistent about is I make them reteach me the Kidsburg lesson because I'll say, I wasn't in Kidsburg. What'd you learn about? We learned about something different. And so we normally discuss what we learned on Sunday. Hmm. They're not great at it. I'll tell you that, but (laughs) they know that they're loved and they normally can give me a little bit of a, of a snippet. So they, they get something out of it, but asking, they know that the question is coming. Mm -hmm. So I hope they pay attention a little bit more, but (laughs) that's good. (laughs) We're consistently inconsistent. (laughs) Yeah. Well, before Dan jumps in, I do want to, so Jenna, maybe you could speak to this a little bit. You were part of, um, these Advent devotionals for family. And what I appreciated about those is you had in mind the busy person who didn't have 20 minutes every day to sit down. And, and so, cause that's me. Yeah. (laughs) So just speak to that, that approach. And that's what you're talking about. But, but that that's for the person who's like, man, this is really intimidating to schedule out 20 minutes every day before breakfast. No, no, I don't, I barely, I, yeah, we don't do anything 
extra in the morning. Um, so for the Advent, so Advent is the season leading up to Christmas. And so what the kids and student ministries teams, the staff teams did was we came together and we wrote these weekly devotionals. And so each week, there's like four weeks leading up to Christmas and each week kind of has a theme. And it's like joy, peace, hope. Wait for it. Joy. I did. I learned. Guys, my memories. Joy, peace, hope, love. Thank you. So anyways, so we just kind of wrote, there was a a Bible verse to talk about. There were a handful of questions to have a conversation, like as you're already doing something else, like, okay, at least once a week, you're probably sitting down and eating a meal together at some point. Pick a meal and ask the questions. Um, And then if you wanted to, there was an optional like activity to do um, that kind of went along with and reinforced it. But yeah, I think that if we make family devotions another, this is something really hard that you should do. And if you don't do it, then you're a terrible person and you're a terrible parent. Like there's enough people in our life telling us all that kind of stuff. And I don't think that sharing Jesus is meant to be something that's terrible and hard and makes us feel bad. It's a joy that we get to have these conversations with our kids. It's something that I love doing with my kids. It's something that brings me joy, even if they're not paying attention, even if they're not (laughs) remembering things later, talking about Jesus gives me joy. And so it's something that fills us up, but I wanted to make it as easy as possible for people. And so it was just once a week, sit down and have this conversation leading up to Christmas. And I know for our family, it was really cool. Um, Again, my kids are five and seven. So I have twin five-year-olds and a seven-year-old son. Um, And so even if they don't necessarily remember all of the details, they didn't completely grasp the love of God from our one conversation. It doesn't happen that way. But they remember that we were intentional about preparing our hearts for Christmas. And little bit by little bit, all those blocks build up. That's good. Like Legos. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I think... um, your point to the joy part of it is is really important. And, you know, anything that's of discipline, uh, it can be hard and challenging, and sometimes you just have to persevere through Yeah, but through you like, like discipline. That. Sometimes I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You thrive in discipline. <laughs> I, I do a little bit, yeah, that's that's true. But, you know, I'll say this, though, um, you know, because I also, uh, just being an artist, I, I have like a very loose artistic side where it's, you know, stream of consciousness and capture the moment, you know, yeah. carpe diem type of thing. So that's also part of my personality. And I'd say for me with my kids, that, that's been more than like the strict disciplined part. And, and one of the reasons is um, sometimes it would feel like pulling teeth, especially, you know, I, so I have, my kids are a little bit older. I have a 17, a 14, and a 12-year-old. Uh, and they're all very different. Uh, and with the, with the 17-year-old when he was young, it was hard to really like have a disciplined time where like, you know, I would try like, you know, I sort of thought to myself like, I'm the priest of the home. It's my spiritual response, you know, all of that sort of stuff, you know, so I have to be doing this to be a good dad type of thing, you know, uh, and there's truth to all of those things. I, I think that's, that's true, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's prescriptive and how you do it, you know? Yeah. So I would sit down and he wouldn't be paying attention or, you know, I couldn't get him into bed, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, it would just get frustrating and it would be this frustrating episode. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'd sort of walk away and go like, well, what am I really teaching him about God here? that it's, it's burdensome and it's frustrating and it's difficult. You know, I mean, that's, that's not a healthy 
yeah. thing. It it really should be the taste and see that the Lord is good, you know. Um, so you know, I, I changed my tact with him. My wife, I'd say she's actually um, been more disciplined and consistent with with those things. And I've really seen the power of having like a praying godly woman and the impact on their lives. Um, it's it's made a huge impact on my kid's life. And so, like for instance, uh, Jesse, it's not great for him. He's my middle one um, to do more or to do evening stuff, um, but. Lydia will sit with him in the morning while he's waiting for the bus. And, you know, they normally sit there for five minutes or so, and she'll read the Bible with him and talk through the Bible with him. You know, Mm -hmm. it's very powerful. What I've done, though, is a little bit more of what you were talking about, the sort of catch it at moments. But it has been intentional. Yeah, I intentionally Mm -hmm. think about it. Uh, But I will say that, like with the older ones especially, it has, for me, it's really morphed into something very different than a, like, okay, now it's bedtime. Let's sit down and read our Bible and have our prayers type of thing. Uh, it's so, so it looks very different than it would with uh, younger children. Hmm. Yeah, I, I remember having an experience with my son. He's almost six, but he, um, you know, I thought I kind of thought the same thing, Dan. It's my fatherly spiritual duty to lead the family and my son. And, and I do believe that, but it felt a little bit like forced and hmm. structured. And, it, and we were reading the Bible and we went through a period where he was really excited about some of the Bible stories. And then there was a lull. I, I don't know how long it was. It was months where he just didn't have that desire. And that like broke my heart. Like, man, God. And so I just remember praying, God, would you please help me to make this is exciting. Help me to mm-hmm. him to see that excitement for him to because he went from wanting to do it, loving to do it in the evening to like not. And I was like, I took that personally. And and again, God kind of showed me that's kind of my own stuff in that. But it was soon thereafter that it became less burdensome and more of a a joy. And for my wife and I, um, we basically take turns laying with our son, having Bible story time, prayer, talking about through the day. It's kind of this longer uh, bedtime process. Um, And it's been really helpful and healthy that we both kind of have different personalities. And, you know, I ask a lot of questions. My son asks a lot of questions. (laughs) Um, but with mummy, it's a lot, it's a lot shorter and, and that's, that's, that's good. Um, but that's been our sweet time is just he and I laying in bed for 20 minutes, asking questions about the day, him asking really, really hard, big life questions. It's like, on the one hand, it's awesome. On the other hand, that, that's really intimidating. Um, but, but just making sure there's some intentionality, even if it's not structured, but there's some real intentionality to say, God, help me, help us as a family or as a church community. And I think, you know, you've heard the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. You know, that this wouldn't just have to be your immediate family, but to u- utilize the resource of the larger church community. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way you'd speak to that in terms of not just, man, this is just me, my family, but utilizing resources that are at your disposal in this? Yeah, I can definitely speak to that because, again, my kids are older. So, you know, my oldest is 17, and I can't tell you how thankful I am that um, his peer group is largely here from the church. Now, I know there's parents that are here that their kids have not had that experience, but for me, uh, it's been an incredible blessing. So, you know, he uh, he's a very, very busy kid. He's an academic kid, um, and, you know, he's here every Wednesday night, and he's, he's here every Sunday night, and normally when he goes out with kids, there are kids from the church. Um, and it's just been wonderful for me, you know, I mean, like 
uh, again, growing up, I didn't have any spiritual background at all, and uh, my life looked very different from his life. And I'm, I'm just thankful that he's surrounded by peers that go here to this church, that he has leaders here at the church that he can trust uh, and that he respects and that he actually likes. You know, he, mm-hmm. he likes these people and enjoys these people. And so there's a, a level of like not only respect, but, you know, maybe seeing himself in some ways uh, in them and seeing like, oh, this is this is actually a cool thing. This is a good thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's always felt like, um, you know, I think when I was growing up, we, the kids who were like more religious or something, we my peer group would definitely sort of look down on those kids, you know. I think it was it's the opposite with uh, my kids in some ways, which is really great. Um, but but I will say this too, you know, like um, for me, it has changed over the years a lot. So uh, just to give an example, with with my oldest son now, who's seventeen again, um, he, uh, you know, we would we did devotions when he was young. Then we sort of stopped, and and I got more into just speaking to him about different subjects, and I would try to like lean them towards. A biblical worldview and perspective on it, whether it's, you know, politics or science or relationships or whatever it is, you know. Um, but uh, recently, I felt like I have limited time with him and I, I need like some really intentional time with him, but I wasn't sure how to do that. Um, but one thing is uh, he, he has uh, set chores that he has to do um, around the house. And, and what I basically did is I bribed him. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, hey, listen, he, he wanted to take the car on Fridays to uh, to school and then he would get out early. And I said, I said, OK, I think we could work that out. I said, listen, though, I'd like to go through this book. It was a book by James Dobson called Life on the Edge. Really good book if you have a uh, like 16 to 20 something year old talking about the big decisions in life and a biblical perspective. It's very, very good in a lot of different ways. Um, so it's all of the issues that he's going to be dealing with over the next four or five years. I said, listen, I'll let you take the car. Uh, but you can come pick me up from work when you're done with school and we'll go out and I'll take you out to lunch and we'll walk through this book and I'll let you off the hook on your chores. And he was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally into it. I feel like you could have stopped at lunch. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably, he probably got the better of that deal. You know, he's working the deals. But anyhow, it's been really powerful for us, I'd say, just being able to you know get together and intentionally talk through it. He knows why we're there. We're going through the book. He knows he has to do the homework. Uh, and he does that. And um, and I will say the discussion's like, it's largely one way in a lot of ways. He's he's listening, but like he's openly, actively listening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like for me to be able to still have a voice in his life uh, is an important thing. And I think um, he would probably say that also. You know, mm-hmm. I think he'll probably look back on this time and be thankful for this time that, uh, you know, dad took the time to to be able to share those things from from his vantage point, you know, just because I've lived a lot more life than him, you know. So much more. <laughs> but I think, I, I mean, I'm, I still, like, I have little kids, but most of my career has been in student ministry and working with teenagers. And so it's so easy for me to see how quickly these young years go where they want to know what I think. What do you think about this? Well, what about this? Well, what's this? And they trust my authority on stuff. And those years are dwindling so quickly, so quickly. I mean, by the time they get into upper elementary and early middle school, they're psychologically in a place where it's their brain's job to question what they've learned as a child and see if that's how they want to keep going. And mm-hmm. so that's why middle schoolers. So like if you are a parent of a middle schooler and your kid is rebelling and questioning everything you do, most of the time it's just because that's what their brain's job is doing. It's okay. like that's their brain's job right now. It's okay. 
you got to stick with it and it's hard. But the number of times when I was leading a middle school small group of girls and I just in conversation that came up in small group as we're reading through the Bible together, told a girl something and I've had a parent email me or call me later that week and say, I've been trying to tell my kid that for so long and you said it once and now they listen to you and they're like, oh, Jenna said this. Wow. And they come home like they've never heard this piece of advice before. And their mom and dad are like, that's, we, I, okay, great. You learned it. Awesome. But there just comes a point whenever kids need to hear something from people other than their parents. Don't don't you think also maybe uh, those parents saying those things over and over and over is like, Oh, it primed the pump for sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like plowing the field and putting some fertilizer down, you know, so. Exactly. And that's the thing I always tell parents. I'm like, I'm not saying anything different. It's simply the matter that it's coming at them from a slightly different angle, that it's this great teamwork of discipleship. You know, like I want, like my kids are little and I want them to be around people who love Jesus and who live that out in their life because that's the best thing I can think of for them. You know, like as their mom, as I'm dreaming about their life, And I say, man, what I really want for you is, you know, I could list a whole bunch of things, but if they can just truly understand the love of God and have that change their life, like, I don't care anything else. (laughs) You know, all the other things are are such small beans. Um, but, But I think back to what you were saying about that consistent prayer of your wife, I think that is so key because not only is that, us continually trusting God with our kids and saying like, okay, this isn't due to my effort. This is God working in their heart. Um, and then it's, and it's priming that pump in our hearts to say, okay, like this, this really is important. Discipling my kid is important. And if it's important for them, it's gotta be important for me. You know, same as me eating my vegetables at dinner yeah. <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> How would you encourage parents um, to be in in their, whether it's their discipleship or their teaching or their sharing or their devotions, uh, to make sure that that they are gospel-centered rather than moralistic? Uh, You know, you may have heard the phrase being a good news kid versus a good behavior kid, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's really easy. You want children to adhere to behaviors in life and in the home, and that's just natural to us and them. But how do you share that it's that it's that it's gospel centered, that we will make mistakes, that it's it's as you said, Jenna, it's about the the love of Jesus rather than I have to. Mm-hmm. How how would you kind of encourage parents in that in that not only that thinking, but that kind of discipleship? We've had to <laughs> so my family, faith is not important for the majority of, of my extended family. And but they know that it is for us. And so you know, whenever grandma comes and brings presents, she like, we have a few books that she's bought us that have, I'm sure the authors had great intentions, but there's, there's this one in particular about all these dogs. Again, they're five, um, all these dogs and each one of them displays a different fruit of the spirit from Galatians. And, and it's like, and God wants you to do all these things too. And I'm like, yes, you're right but why? And so I think for, for us, like, as I'm reading them, the Bible, as I'm having these conversations, as we are like, we're out in nature, 
you know, and we're going for a hike. And I'm like, man, look at this really cool science thing. What does that teach us about who God is? Like, that's the question I always come back to is, well, how do, who is, who are we, what are we learning about who God is through this? You know, we read a passage of the Bible and I say, okay, well, what's God like? What have you learned about God's character through this? And I try to center it so much more on who is God? What has he done? What is he like? Rather than what should you do? Um, I was in a conversation with a friend a few years ago. And you know, whenever you say a word so many times, it just kind of doesn't even sound like a real word anymore. That thing that happened with the word should, and we just give like a shoulda. Well, you shoulda, you shoulda, you shoulda. Well, you shoulda done this. You shoulda, you shoulda. And it just... <laughs> It's funny, but we kind of have this phrase now, and it's like, you can't live in the land of shoulds. And I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that church is a land of you should, you should, this is another thing that you should do. Um, but I want them to really grasp, like, who is God? And I think if you can really understand the character of God, you can't help but fall in love with him. Mm. And so there's, you know, of course, <laughs> you know, we talk about, behavior things because they're kids and they're naturally jerks because <laughs> they're kids. <laughs> um, but so I'm not saying that like, I'd be like, oh no, it doesn't matter if you punch your sister. Like, no, like we have boundaries, but whenever it comes to those conversations with God it, about God, it just always comes back to, to who is God and what does that mean for us? Mm. That's helpful. Um, just as we, as we conclude here, any, if, you, if you're talking to a parent right now and they're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what Bible to read my kids. Any, any resource or any particular maybe Bible that you would recommend for a child? The Bible that we use in Kidsburg, um, the version is the New International Reader's Version, N-I-R-V. And it's, it just, it's a pretty good, accurate translation while using about a third grade understanding of English. There's not these big hard words that kind of explain some things. Um, we do that. My kids love the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd Jones. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, it makes me cry. Mm -hmm. I'm. It is excellent. It, yeah, I have loved that, and so I've loved good. reading it myself. And it's nicely illustrated, and oh, and every story beautiful. points to Jesus. I it love goes that. to the gospel. Yes. It, it never stops with that moralistic teaching, mm -hmm. which uh, a lot of um, stuff for little kids does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So those are those are two of the the Sally Lloyd Jones book is Bible. It's a retelling of the Bible stories. It's not an actual mm -hmm. Bible. It's mm -hmm. certain stories throughout Scripture. Um, the NIRV is the Bible that we use for kids in elementary school, and I mean, I think it's also really cool to just ask kids what they like, figure out what they're into, and start there. Like my son loves Legos. And so I will find a Bible and I'll say, hey, I'll find a Bible story and I'll be like, hey, why don't you make a Lego scene of what this is? Um, and then I found out it's like a real thing. Like this isn't, I made, I came up with this and then I looked on the internet and there's this thing called Bible builds and it, there's like a Bible story and then they do like a competition to see who can like build it. It's just really cool. But I think you go along with your kids' interests too. Yeah. Just as we close, what would you say? Wait, Dan didn't get to say his resources. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I would agree with all those. I think they're great. Um, when they're older, uh, the Life Application Bible, uh, just the regular NIV Life yeah. Application Bible, I think it's a really good one for people in general, uh, no matter where you're at in your faith. But, you know, especially if you're, uh, 
you know, just starting to read the Bible a little bit more and figure it out a little bit more, that's a, that's a great resource because it's, uh, I think, again, it's more gospel-centered um, mm-hmm. and has just great study notes. Sometimes maybe too many study notes. You look on a page <laughs> and you're like, fat. a little bit of scripture, <laughs> a lot of study notes. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really good, though. But that's general. also good for grown-ups as they're leading kids. If, totally. you're, if you read the Bible and you're like, I don't know what that means, yes. there's it's a lot of helpful. good yeah. stuff to help you understand it as you teach kids. This is a process can be frustrating, um, hard, time consuming. So like most of parenting. Yes. <laughs> so what would you say to the to the frustrated Christian parent who's like, is it worth it? And it's has just been hard and it's not been that fulfilling. And what would you say to maybe the skeptic or the non-Christian who would be like, this is just a waste of time. Why would anyone want to truly learn about Jesus anyway? So just speaking to the frustrated Christian parent, doesn't know where to start or finish. Is it worth it? And someone who's on the fence saying, is it worth even doing this at all? How, how, how would you conclude that? Let, let me, I'll take the, um, uh, the frustrated parent. Uh, Dang it. First of all, <laughs> sorry. It, it is definitely worth it. Uh, you know, your kids, they're going to face incredibly difficult things all through life. There are tragic and difficult circumstances that they're going to deal with. We have no idea what's around the corner. Uh, and to be able to have a firm foundation of faith uh, it's to me the single most important thing in uh, in life. Like there, I would say, there is nothing to me that's more important than that. And the reality, you know, like my my ninety year old dad lives with us, and uh, you know he's he's definitely all of ninety. Um, and w- when we pray together, he, uh, you know, I, I'm always praying about the other side and what we're going to see in heaven and what it's going to be like, and that you know he's going to be whole and be able to walk again and talk again, and that he's going to see people that. Uh, knew the Lord and loved the Lord that went before him and that uh, one day all things will be put right, you know. Uh, We all have a certain degree of uh, like an end like that. We're all going to go through very difficult things. uh, Unless we're raptured, we're going to see, you know, that sort of end to our life too probably. And uh, knowing the Lord, it takes all the sting out of all of those things. And it doesn't mean that you don't go through hard stuff. It just means that he's going to walk through those things with you and you know in the end it's going to be okay. So I think it's of vital importance. And if you're frustrated, hey, that is parenting. It is <laughs> difficult and challenging. And just remember, you know, your, your kids are not where you're at. They're growing. And it's not, uh, it's not taking gold and a hammer and bashing it into shape to make this perfect thing. It, it's more like taking a plant where you have to nurture it and water it and tend to it and allow it to grow and become what it was really designed to be. And that's more of our job it's it's not the beating it and bludging it. That's in some ways that's God's job to to mold and make that person. But it's us to be able to figure out what God's doing in that person and allow them to really blossom. You know. Yeah. Jenna, final thoughts. I I mean, if it's something that you are skeptical about, if if Jesus is something you're skeptical about, then I say go on that journey with your kid too. Um, I like that my kids know that I don't know everything about God. Mm. Like, you know, my kids will ask me the same kinds of questions that your son asks you. And a lot of times I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> because yeah. I don't want them to think that the end of faith is you knowing everything. The end of, per- of faith is pursuing Jesus. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. something you can do together. Yeah. Less than 1% of your kids will be famous. Less than 1% of your kids will be on a professional sports team. But 100% of your children will stand before Jesus mm-hmm. uh, as we will. And so we prepare for that end. So thanks for your time today. Look forward to chatting with you next time.